Now the next step is, I think, getting over uh, like bumps yes. and ledges. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I have a couple of little like ledges in my house that are maybe like a half inch tall and they're very nicely sloped. Mm-hmm. And I basically wiped out every time. Scotch. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 183 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I do things only over HTTPS. I'm Sam, and I'm a Santa Claus, maybe. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is Christmas Eve oh. 2018. Before we get started, we have a warning anything could happen on this show, there's going to be profanity. Because uh, it is Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. so it's time to yeah time to whip up a frenzy of curses. <laughs> uh, so if yep. you're a, as is tradition, as is tradition. So if you're a child, I think it's Christmas Eve. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Christmas. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> At least where okay. I fucking come from. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Christmas Eve and Christmas. Welcome to Christmas Eve, everybody. Because this also reminds me of that should be what Halloween is called. Christmas. No, Ooh, true. yeah. They're actually they're just both Christmas. Christmas is just split across two days, a few months apart. It's too powerful. You had to separate it. <laughs> separate it by yeah. one. You can only, and your curses last. Actually, no, this is when your curses get relieved. So curses begin Ooh. on Halloween, on the first day of Christmas. Oh. On the second day of Christmas, which is months later, <laughs> the curses are lifted. And so that's why we're so fucking celebrity. That's why October is always so crazy. It's shit so bad. Yeah, it's all That's like that curses. song when they're like, on the first day of Christmas, I got cursed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was in agony. <laughs> yeah. And it's only the 12th day of Christmas, which I believe is the actual Christmas day. I'm not really sure how that works in the song. I think so. But that's the day that your 12 curses were lifted. Mm-hmm. Has anybody sort of parsed what the fuck they're talking about in this song? I, Why are there 12 days of Christmas all of a sudden? It's very unclear. Because That I means think, they're starting on the 13th. But I think it's one of those things where Unless they start on the 25th and they just keep going. And they just keep going? Into the new year. I mean, think about like how, how Black Friday works now, right? Where it's like, it just started one day, and now there's like Cyber Monday. That's true. And Christmas like a does deal start after Thanksgiving. I think what happens is actually- it's holiday you give, creep. Yeah. If you give someone a holiday, they just start slowly expanding it. So, so I guess what we imagine is when that song was written was the snapshot, when there were only, when there were only 12 days yes. of Christmas, because now there are- I don't even know how it's many. It's like 35 days, Something basically. Like you know, this is, this is the thing nobody's talking about. You know, people mm-hmm. are always like, oh, sea levels are going to be like a meter higher at 100 years. Uh-huh. And nobody's talking about holiday creep. Like, That's when are true. we going to get work done in 100 years? Yeah. New York City is going to be yeah. just flooded Un- with curse Because, because <laughs> Christmas moves by two inches every year, uh-huh. you yep. know, into the surrounding days. So does Easter. Mm-hmm. So does. Think about the polar bears. Yeah. You know, what are they going to do? When is New Year's Day going to become New Year's Week? And then all of a sudden, what the fuck are we going to do about that? Yeah. I think we're just going to be partying all the time. Cool. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. <laughs> we're not going to have anything else to do because of all of the, you know, robots driving us mm-hmm. around, robots making us coffee, robots giving us foot yep. massages, all that kind of all stuff. All that kind of stuff. But yeah. So I think this all makes sense, though, because now the new year. Mm-hmm. Is when you make all your resolutions for all the ways you're going to be a better person, mm-hmm. which really is all just preparation for because that means you can increase your own quality and your quality of life up until Christmas day one, mm, right? When now you get cursed just a fuck ton of times or right? cursed because you want to you want to keep your your level of how horrible things are like you just want to keep that as low right. as possible. So in other words, you got to build up for so like you eight, build up, 10 months, right? And then you get knocked down by day one of Christmas, and then Christmas gets lifted on mm-hmm. day two of Christmas, mm-hmm. and then you start the cycle all over. I thought you were going to say. There's New Year's where you make your resolutions. Then within two months, it totally hasn't happened, right? And then by the time you get to Christmas, 
you're like, fuck, I fucked it all up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it's for. It's for 10 months later when you look up and you're like, I didn't do any of the right. things. And I then you're not, you're not close enough <laughs> to the next new year. Yeah. Right. Because then you realize suddenly. Because then between the first day of oh. Christmas and the second day of Christmas, you just be like, shit, fuck, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> but I then you, it all up. But then you double down. <laughs> you double down and make things even worse by eating too much, uh-huh. yeah. by not doing anything, by you traveling then you're Thanksgiving a lot. And, and then after Thanksgiving, you're like, oh, damn it, shit. Yeah. Yep. So there's like a whole continuous end of year, uh, two month long cursing spree. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's people dealing with like political things at family events uh-huh. and just. Yeah. And then everybody gets together bleary eyed on New Year's Day and they're like, oh, okay, this time. This time I'll be better. This time I'm going to make it. <laughs> so Christmas really starts starts on Halloween and goes all the way through until the new year. Well, yeah. the, the, yeah. It's the two-month-long realization that you're basically out of time and you haven't really done any of the shit that you planned on. Yeah. And so you just kind of curse under your breath. Yeah. Well, speaking of this, let's let's talk about the studios, you know, Oh, wait, Before we do that, we mm. need to mention – Moneygrab.bscotch.net. Oh, yeah, of course. We've got yeah. a bunch of recurring supporters who are helping to keep this podcast, uh, to keep the juice going into the <laughs> into the tubes. I do wish go. people could see your face sometimes <laughs> when you start just explaining what's happening. It's so serious. So the thing is, we've got these. It's kind of they're kind of like IV bags uh-huh. of podcast juice yeah. that are that are sort of hanging off the ceiling like bats. Mm-hmm. But we have to put quarters in them. To we got to keep the, the quarters in yeah. there. So, and we've got to pay a guy yep. uh, who comes and swaps out the podcast juice bags. Yep, 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 yep. And so we've got a bunch of recurring supporters whose money we grabbed over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Um, and they're just – they're helping to keep the juice flowing. Yeah. So this so, Christmas, you know, give the gift of, cur- of more podcasts. Of more podcasts. Yeah. And then we'll do that and then we'll grab your money. Yeah. yeah. So, and, then, and then we'll curse a lot sort of. To you know, complete the loop. It's kind of like a swear jar. Yeah. Um, but we're like, we curse and then you give up. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's good. Yeah. That's how those work, right? I think so. Somebody's like, that. every time you swear, uh, you, you, get, you get paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about 2018. Year in review. Um, we can, we can year actually. Year in rear view? We can actually yeah. kick off this year in rear view. Uh, with a question, which these questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. This question comes from Bam182. Mm, good name, good name. Uh, we are now in the last month of 2018. And also, for those who haven't heard all of our episodes, early in the year, we announced that 2018 was going to be 2018. And the slogan for the year is quit fucking around. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if, there, <laughs> if there's something that you've been planning on doing, mm-hmm. quit fucking around and do it. So a lot of that stuff did happen. We'll talk about that. So Bam says, uh, how have you guys stopped fucking around? Mm. Do you feel like you accomplished more this year than prior years? What do you think about a Discord channel where we can share how we stopped fucking around throughout 2018? Mm. Keep up the great work. So maybe we can make a channel that's just called. Or just do that in the podcast channel. I think, yeah. Exactly just go, right. That's yeah. true. Dump your achievements into the podcast That's channel. at discord.gg slash bscotch. I'm just going to be peppering links. Just, just, just link it up. Yeah. Verbal links. It's like when that waiter comes, like, you want Parmesan? And you're like, no. And then they're like, I'm going to do it anyway. And they're just like, <laughs> throwing cheese on it. <laughs> like, stop, please. Yeah. And they just like, keep grinding no, away. You really want the Parmesan? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I think, I think 20, 20 great teen actually was very great. And I think a big part of it is the weirdness. Because we had actually multiple times when we were having you know, tough conversations about stuff or trying to figure out strategically what we would do. And someone would either say, well, it's 20 great teen, which sort of implied – 
that we're what we needed around. to do. Yeah. And so it was like, well, you need to quit fucking around and just do this thing or, um, you know, that, that things were just going to be great. And I think the framing of it for some reason was just super helpful for us in conversations when you're like, no, this is 2018. It's not 2017. I mean, that one, you know, is what it is. 2017, we don't even know what that was. What happened? Who knows? But 2018 was already set up to be good on day one. And I think we sort of self-fulfilled that prophecy. But yeah, when you've got this slogan, you can just drop it. You can just drop it into any Mm -hmm. scenario. And it makes people step back and be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. We should quit Mm -hmm. fucking around. (laughs) And the the important thing was that we made that about a personal slogan, not a slogan about what was happening in the world around us. Yes. Because obviously that was mostly not great. No, but it didn't yes. matter because we weren't going to be fucking around. We were going to not fuck around while the world was. We got our own little sphere of you know things to do, of yeah. influence, like one of those hamster ball things. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, uh, we're we're able to navigate any terrain because we got this weird hamster ball, and yep. it doesn't really matter what's going on around us. Exactly, uh, we can go up or down a <laughs> slight slope yeah, or a, anything. A slogan <laughs> was just a hamster ball, but yeah, I think uh, 2018 was super good. So as far as the recap, I mean we. We both started Levelhead, uh, you know, took it to GDC 11 weeks in and pitched it to a bunch of the platforms, and they were all much more excited about it than anything else we've ever made. So that was like, oh. I guess so we, we quadrupled down on it. I guess we have to do this But now. also, I think the, the start of Levelhead was also part of the embracing of the quit fucking around. Mm-hmm. Because uh, with Levelhead, we stepped back and we were like, what do we really need to be making right now to make like the biggest impact that we think we can make, both on our studio and on the market? Mm-hmm. And so with uh, Scuffle Buddies, which we were working on before, we were just kind of like, I don't really know. This is like, as we talked about last week, it's just kind of a weird ass thing that mm-hmm. just kind of emerged. And then we just rode that wave for six months. But Levelhead was very specific and deliberate in its planning. Mm-hmm. So we started it in uh, over over the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, so like right at the start of January. We actually targeted a market hole yeah. for the first time. Yeah, we were like, can we make a thing that people A, want, and B, don't already have? Yes. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. And we're approaching that now in terms of like the viability of the thing, which is more and more exciting day by day to think about because I can't tell you after, you know, what has been, how many years has it been? Three. Six? Wait, when we just working together. Since, what? <laughs> oh, okay. Since we started the studio. Uh, six years, 2012 is when we started, right? Yeah. 2012. So after six years where we were making stuff that always had a direct competitor if not like 50 that were already well established to make something that putting it on these different platforms is not necessarily going to have a direct corollary um yeah it's just i can't it just it's well and, nice. that, and that they might even be a relieved. chance that we'll have some leverage where where platforms right. we otherwise might not even consider putting it on because we're just like they're not going to give a shit about us and so they mm-hmm. won't give us the support that we need so we won't make any money anyway so what's the point might actually turn around and come right to us and say, hey, yeah. hey, we actually want this thing. Yeah. Let's make this, a is, deal. this is the first time that we actually had behind the scenes various um, YouTubers and streamers and stuff actually coming to us and being like, just so you know, whenever Levelhead's coming out, I want, I, it. I want it. I want keys. I want to do this mm-hmm. thing. Um, whereas with Crashlands, we had to you get beg just, people yeah. to take the keys, the free keys. From <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think there's, there's that, which has been just sort of the super exciting undercurrent for the whole year. Um, and on top of that, yeah, we've done all sorts of other weird stuff. We randomly decided to do Shenanicon. And- yep. We quit fucking around because that's been something we've been talking mm-hmm. about for a long time. Like we want to just have something where we can bring our players and podcast listeners mm-hmm. and fans and whatever all into the same physical space. We know it's going to cost money. We know we're going to lose money on it. And we don't even know if, if that many people want to come. But, you know, it is 2018. Yeah. 
So let's just do it. So See what happens. Quit fucking around and just do it. And we did that. And then as far as I think our overall, you know, just general work and stuff, I mean, I feel like for me personally on the art side, I've definitely grown a lot this year in terms of the both the quality of the work, but then also just the approach. Um, so it's been a very good, a very good year. Yep. Plus we're on yeah, Sam's <laughs> art has just gone fucking ballistic. It's taking classes. It's good. We've got some good, we got some good stuff coming mm-hmm. in level head. I, I will say what we're, what players will probably be seeing because we don't know anything for certain yet because mm-hmm. we're still in sketch phase. Mm-hmm. But what players will be seeing which is didn't, we didn't used to have a sketch phase. We now we have one of those. Yeah. Which is there were insane. no phases before. There was just um, there was you just, didn't have art and now you do yep. and that's what's in yeah. the game. And that's actually been a huge improvement to our our overall pipeline because now we can iterate on stuff before it's done instead of not iterating on stuff mm-hmm. after it's done. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh-huh. So. <laughs> So one of the things our players will get to see is the first fully realized uh, scene, planned scene in the butterscotch art style that is rendered with perspective and everything. It's going to be cool. Because that's always been, of course, contracted out to box art and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that wasn't made in Inkscape and so all that stuff. So we've got we've got some cool stuff coming that is going to be. Yeah, I think it's going to look real good. It's going to look real good. Yep. Um, let's see. We also got an office this year. Yeah. Which was another part of our quit fucking around. Like, hey, we're an actual business. We can mm-hmm. afford an office. Let's stop working out of a basement like a bunch of weirdos. Yep. Yep. Um, it definitely changed things, too. It changed everything. Better. Yeah. It's very good. Yep. 10 out of 10, if you're in St. Louis, would recommend the Cortex District, the CET in particular, or, you know, CIC, any of their buildings. Yeah. We're also in Boston and a few other places. Yeah. Just say. And yeah. Amsterdam. Um, yeah. Cool. yeah, so I mean, this this was part of that learning how to better think about our time and think about. There's that saying like, if there's only if there's only something if there's something that only you can do, then you should try to do as much of that thing as possible yes. and as little of everything else as possible, because um, that's where you're really adding value to the people around you. And so, of course, when we're working out of the basement, you know, I'm I'm like vacuuming. We're like taking out <laughs> trash. I'm washing dishes, filling up coffee, filling up. Yeah. Swapping out coffee, making grocery runs to keep things stocked up. And it's just like, why am I doing all this? <laughs> I'm a, I should be programming, yeah. um, which isn't to say that that stuff isn't valuable. It is valuable, which is why we had to do it. Yes. But also a lot of people can do it. Yeah. And and I I'm the that wasn't your value. That's add. not my job. You know, yeah. um, I think the other uh really nice thing was we hired out the PR for the switch launch of Crashlands and also now for Levelhead. So uh, we got to sort of step back and have someone else do that, which is what I used to do. And there's the same question, which is like, there are other people who are much better at this than I am and I need to be making art or designing. Because that's literally all Because that's your Those are my things. Yeah. So let's quit doing this. And then they did a phenomenal job, even with with Crashlands, which is three years old and, you know, was ported to the Switch. like far yeah. into that market, like already being a thing. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah, that was really good. I think I think we're just sort of slowly figuring out how to think about our time a little bit better, um, and making moves with the studio structurally to better support us as a game making team, which has been really good. Um, we also got brain globes. We got brain globes, and we switched to Trello. We got Trello. we got so we we update. We took a step back, quit fucking around with our processes instead of just having things happen ad hoc and randomly mm-hmm. we now have much better processes for everything that we're doing yep we work asynchronously more so we try to interrupt each other less you know all that stuff um and i started to use git in a professional manner instead of mm-hmm. like the way that we were using that we were using it so that's yeah. 
All good, these are all we're just yeah. Oh yeah, we won. Uh, we got third place in that uh, hack. Global, global hack. hack. We won like ten thousand dollars on a weekend. I do feel like we were kind of fucking around at that though, because we just kind of wandered in there. <laughs> <laughs> I was we weren't fucking around. We just were clueless. But I think we were clueless. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. There's a difference. Yeah, we worked very hard at it. Yeah, I read a quote the other day, which was, uh, "If something's worth doing, it's worth doing badly," and that sort of sums up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. How our studio Wait, if it's operates. Worth doing, it's worth doing. Well, because the other quote is the uh, like, instead of worth doing, it's worth doing greatly or good, well, properly, whatever the fuck the word is. And uh, like, I think that's the actual quote. And then someone flipped it because they were like, quit having this perfectionist attitude about everything. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. badly. Because there, there's this, <laughs> I guess there's this set. idea that if you, if it's worth doing, then it's important. Yeah. You if it's important, it so then good. you have to do a really fucking good mm-hmm. job. And when you first get started at anything, you're always doing a bad job, yep. which is very discouraging. And then you feel like, well, I'm not actually doing the thing. So I guess I'm not actually doing anything worthwhile. Yeah. But really, you just got to do it. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. So if it's worth doing, That's it's worth not, doing badly it's or well. not punchy enough. Yeah, it's just worth doing. So if it, something's worth doing, it's worth doing. If, so it's just if something's worth doing, then just do it. Yeah. I guess. You just got to get in there. You just got to get in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just got to get in there and do it. Okay, well, I think we need to figure out hmm. next year. Yeah, this is true. 20 great teen as a slogan was and, very Im- instrumental. And it even named the main character of Levelhead. It did. Yeah. It's called Great Teen. Great Teen. Yeah. So um, the first question is, what what do we want to sort of have the next year be what's about? The, what's the ethos yeah. of the year? I um, think next year is all about capitalizing on the greatness of this year. Mm-hmm. You know, we got, we got Levelhead. It's real close to done. Yeah. We've got better business and tech practices. Mm-hmm. We're going to be investing even more in those, like especially the beginning of the year. I feel like we kind of – It's all about doubling down. Yeah, I feel like we kind of know. We kind of know what we need to do. I feel like early early last year it was like, what are we doing? And I feel like yeah. now we know. It's like at least for the we've next got, We've lined up three, all of months. the dominoes. Now it's time to hit them with a bowling ball. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe 20 bowling ball team. Yeah. That doesn't quite <laughs> – Knock the pins down. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got some options here. One is, of course, twenty crime teen. Just give up on the on the uh-huh. the straight edge, straight and narrow. Yep, this is what you have. Level head launches, nobody buys it. You know, yeah. twenty crime teen. Get we're on going, to the dark side. We're gonna start hacking everything. Yep. Yeah. We're going to hack the whole internet. Just the Hack whole the whole internet. Take all the money, mm-hmm. all of the bitcoins. I got one yep. of those Alexas and be like, Alexa, hack the mainframe. And she'd be like, okay. Well, and she's like, like just, nobody's ever asked me for that. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to do it. I've, I've had this the capability the whole time and nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody thought nobody about it. it. Um, so we could do 20 crime teen, mm-hmm. uh, go to the dark side. Yep. That's yep. the that's that one. I think that's just what the year will turn into if level one fails. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we it's could also plan. do 20 swine teen, which mm-hmm. is uh, eat trash and get dirty. Yeah. yeah. So if you just – Which more more defines like the first couple years of our studio, I think. Yeah. That's about So right that's now. just uh, – <laughs> you're just going to be down in Red Bulls. You're going to be covered in Cheeto dust. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be – But you're in there at least. You you're you're going to be doing stuff, but you're really just not going to be – feeling so hot by the end of the year. Yeah, I think if, if you're in, if you're in year one of your own little business project or that's probably actually appropriate for you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's certainly that was what our life was Cause like. if it's worth doing, it's worth doing. If it's, worth doing, doing it. it's worth doing covered in Cheeto dust. Uh-huh. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what you do is maybe after two or three months, you get one of those cans of air and you just kind of like half acidly kind of like blow, blow dust onto off. your keyboard <laughs> and get some of the dust off of there. But really, there's uh-huh. stuff under there. Okay. You can Adam, see it. Adam saw the mouse that I've been using, I think, since like we started the studio. 
Oh yeah, it was it's like all it's super fucked up. It's so like the cord is like it's got right angles in it. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that works. And, but the whole mouse is just like covered in a. In it's a got like a film. Film hand. It's just film. hand film. <laughs> hand film. It's slowly built up. And it, was, I, it was so funny because I looked at it. I was because I came over like to like use his computer. And I was like, I'm not touching that. And I was like, fucking gross. <laughs> and Sam looked at it like for the and first it, time. Yeah, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> He's like getting like he hadn't even a, seen it. It was like, like waking up on Christmas, you know, and realizing oh, you fuck. haven't done anything yeah. for yeah. ten months. Horrible. Yeah. I will say, I for some reason I've never had that happen to any of the any of the mice that I. How use. do you keep your hands so clean? I do wash my hands a lot, probably too much. They're Me very too. dry. Mm. Uh, you maybe, just got to lotion them. Just fall. Maybe down. it's a lotion. It's probably yeah. lotion, actually. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah! yeah it's, it's lotion. Because I always <laughs> lotion them after the after yeah. I wash my hands. There you go. There's your, there's your problem. You need dry, cracked, bleeding hands. Perfect. <laughs> Keep your mice clean. <laughs> well, uh, they should be cracked, but not to the point of bleeding because you get blood on your mouth. Well, no, it's usually the only bleed on the top. So oh, that's fine. Yeah, okay, it's fine. It's whenever you click the the you, distance. You click and yeah, your blood knuckles spurts. split. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> but the thing about the blood spurts is it shoots kind of out forward ahead out of the way. It actually you know, slickens yeah. the uh, the table. Slickens so the surface. Faster. The bottom of the mouse is, of course, a biohazard situation. <laughs> but the top, but if you're playing Fortnite, blood covered. it gives you a tremendous edge. Yeah. You know? you just, yeah. <laughs> it also gives you the bloodlust because there's already blood. Just slickened right by there. the blood of your own self. Yeah. So the I deep, can, can we use enslickened? Enslickened. <laughs> so the <laughs> DPI stands word. for uh, droplets per inch, <laughs> which is just how much blood you've got <laughs> the mouse true. can handle. Yeah, uh, that's true. Um, Get, yep. yes, speaking of FPS, that's hardcore gaming. We did play Deep Rock Galactic. Oh shit! Yeah, oh, yeah. we did. Friday. So Friday was our holiday party. Yeah, which in Butterscotch just meant that it meant we worked from eight to two thirty, and then we then we drank a bunch of beers and played Deep Rock Galactic until, until like eight p.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Deep Rock Galactic is a is a dwarven space simulator. Yeah, space it's, mining yeah. operation. Basically, somebody said like, "What if you took the dwarves from Lord of the Rings, which mm-hmm. are all about mining and Fighting things, and then put them and in space. put them in space as asteroid miners yeah. or whatever. They are they've got mm-hmm. technology, and there's aliens. It Box. felt like Starship Troopers slash Terraria, yeah, slash, slash Minecraft Lord slash Lord of the Rings, and Leopard Dead. slash Left for Dead. <laughs> Very fun. Would recommend it if anybody's got at it's least still in early access, but it didn't, But the only thing that felt early access was the UIs. Just the first UI. Just the first main, UI. The main menu yeah. UI, they were just like, here's a bunch of buttons. Fuck you. That's yeah. sort of what I felt like was the design aesthetic. Yep. I, think know, that's about, that's I wish they would have just wrote that on the screen. Because <laughs> I feel like that would have been more honest. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know? Like, don't pretend like Dang. this is Well, like, that's the thing is you can't, you can't actually tell if something is badly designed or just left to be designed yes. later. Correct. You know? And if there's yeah. no indicator of that. I'm assuming that – I hope that it's left. To be designed. Later. What they need is for early access games, you need a, like a little uh, little sticker, like a little pink sticker or something. You can just like put on the corner of things. Where you're like, yeah, I'll get I'll get to this later. Mm, you know, yeah. this is like my we'll do later thing. Just mm-hmm. like a little like a little poop emoji. Yep. You just put yeah. on. You'd be like, we know this is shit. Yeah. I remember we'll seeing one time. Piece. I can't remember what game it was, but there was like a, a big expansion pack or some big thing came out, and somebody found just like this big fucking pink cube. Somewhere, and when you mouse over it, there's a tooltip that's just like, Alan, delete this later. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bunch of people posting like, Alan, Alan, come on, man, do your fucking job. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> Leave right, where were we? Code. Oh, yeah, we're talking about what next year is called. Yeah, we so gotta, we've, we've, we've covered cri- 20 crime teen, mm-hmm. 20 swine teen. Uh, this year was 20 great teen, so maybe next year's going to be 20 fine teen. 
It's just fine. It's maybe, and we already kind of did it now. We, we got did the, the great parts out of the way. Yeah. And so there's not much left now. So mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's, that's one of those ones that's not particularly, you know, aspirational. It's not very, yeah. No. I'm not, uh, it's I'm not, not great. F- what about 20 mine team? Keep digging. Keep digging. Mm-hmm. Or it's just mine. Or, yeah, or it's mine. Yeah. Or not, not for you. This, this one's, yeah. This one's not for you. 20 it's mine team. This is all about me now. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. going to take what's mine. I'm going mm-hmm. <laughs> to. Yep. Sounds, sounds like maybe that would prompt some very bad behaviors overall. You know, that's going to rapidly go into 20 swine team if you're not careful. Yeah. Mine team evolves into a swine team. It's, like, it's true. Like Pokemon. What that's about uh, 20 shrine team? Put up some candles. Mm, Put up some worship candles. Worship the gods. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. Whichever. Whatever, whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. God or gods or or whatever else you got going Ancestors. on. Ancestors. Dark, you know, celestial beings. I don't know. Yeah, what just whatever you feel like. Yeah. yeah. But just, yeah, there's always candles. You know what? I feel like we can all agree on that. Yeah. There's always candles. There's a supernatural entity that listens to you. Yeah. I think it's just how you arrange them. So, yeah. if, like, if it's a pentagon, it's for there you Satan, go. I guess. And then, like, <laughs> No, it's a pentagram. Pentagram. pentagon. Pentagon. <laughs> I think a, I think a pentagon, but a pentagon is just a, is just the outside of a pentagram. That's for the intelligence services. Yeah, that's when you're worshiping, you know, the CIA and shit. Yeah, but if you that's you, how you. But if you arrange candles in a pentagon, that's also how you arrange candles for a pentagram. Yeah, you just draw the lines between them differently. Yeah, the lines are really important. Though. Yeah, I was I was pretty talking about where the candles go though. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure I was right on that one. Yep, yep, <laughs> you got it. Um, so we can do 20 shrine teen. Uh-huh. What about 20 teen. blind teen? 20 blind teen. Which is just look away. take care look of away. Don't, Just look away. Don't this is going to be It's going to be rough. horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 20 blind teen. Don't look at it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not even <laughs> Whatever's about to happen. You show, you don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. Twenty lime teen. Don't get scurvy. Don't mm. get scurvy. Maybe keep ride that one vitamin those, C up. Ride one of Go those lime, lime scooters. Yeah. You know, use those. Twenty lime teen scooting toward greatness. Yep. Just <laughs> <laughs> this this uh, year has been brought to you by that scooter company. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that scooter company. <laughs> I don't even know what they're called. Yeah, Probably know. lime. Probably lime. We can do twenty grind teen getting shit done. That's a good one. Get on the grind. That's yeah. what it's. That's what it's about. It's about nose to the stone. Put your nose on the don't. Actually, that's real dangerous. That's you want to. That's how you get a sharp nose, though. Twenty grind mm-hmm. team. Keep a proper distance from the grindstone and use protective eyewear. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what this grind year's all safely. About. It's a marathon. That's grind, cool. but safely. <laughs> uh, so those are those are some of our options. Mm-hmm. All right, let's recap. We got twenty grind team, twenty shrine team, twenty fine team, twenty swine team, twenty crime team. 20 blind team. blind team 20 lime team 20 lime team mm-hmm. so go ahead and go if you go to the, if you have one that's striking your fancy go to the podcast channel or if you have a new one you throw it in there i'm yeah. personally i'm partial to 20 grind team because i feel like you know it's well i think about it, also, shit done. it also captures nicely the the life cycle of a game right which mm-hmm. is the, the first beginning part, is all great around yeah and it's it pretty cool great. but it's great because it's just you making cool stuff and whatever mm-hmm. And then the hardest part, the last phase, is the grind. Yep. Where you just have to get it done and nothing is fun anymore. Yep. And you're somehow always six weeks away from launch. Yeah. But there's always more things adding to your to-do yep. list. Yeah. Because yep. I think I have a feeling that next year is going to be something of a grind. So I think it's okay. probably appropriate. 20 grind teen. All right. So we're feeling 20 grind Well, you're teen. saying like a positive grind sort of sense. Just right? in the way that it has to be. Not like a World of Warcraft can't collect enough boar meats. No, actually, I think they're very situation. similar. It's just that. It's just that at the at the end of our tunnel, instead of just leveling up once, we get to launch a game. And there's fewer dead pig carcasses. Just really, lot, well, it depends on how many, the It depends on how many pigs we eat during that mm-hmm. during that year. Yeah. So I don't know. 
It could be a lot. It could be a lot. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, yeah, so go to discord.gg slash bscotch. Get in the podcast channel. Mm-hmm. We got to figure this out. What is Great next board. year going to be called? Give us your uh, opinions. Money, two cents. money. All right. And there's one last thing that I think we need to cover. <laughs> Very important. Which is I got a Swagtron <laughs> yesterday. Uh-huh. This is a real device. It's a real like, thing. What would you guess this is a, a Christmas Tron, gift from our mother? What would you guess a Swagtron does if you didn't know what it was? <laughs> uh, I would guess it's a robot that does your personal shopping. I would think it's like mm-hmm. a cool looking robot jacket that you can wear. A robot jacket? Like what is it? It's like an exoskeleton that mm-hmm. yeah. You know, what it does is when you walk, it just sort of improves how fucking awesome you look with your posture and your swagger. You know, I wish they called exoskeletons jackets because it'd make mech fights really funny. Call them swag jackets? Put on your jacket. Put on your jacket. You have a jacket fight. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So the Swagtron is a smart board. It's a a one of those. Is that what they call it? A smart board? Yeah. It's like a – some people call them a hoverboard, but it's like the two-wheeled – it's basically a segue. It's the thing that you see in fail videos that people stand on and then fall on their ass. Yep. Yes. Every single time. Um, yeah. So it's got the two wheels. You stand on it. The two wheels are – it goes horizontal. It's not like front and back. It's not a, a skateboard. Or, or yeah. a skateboard. It's – yeah. And so then it uses uh, gyroscopes mm-hmm. to, <laughs> to uh, determine the angle of each of your feet. And it rotates in a hinge in the middle. So then – uh, based on how you're how you're leaning your feet and stuff, then it moves forward and back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all there is to it. It's very there's no, there's no like buttons or fancy controls. You just kind of lean it around. So we all three tried it. Uh, it was interesting. <laughs> it was crazy because the the exact same formula followed for for everyone, which is that first you stand on it and then you just fall down. You because- stand and you start to panic mm-hmm. because while you're trying to get on it. You are you're not stable the first time, and, and so if it, if it detects a change in angle, then it, it applies just a shitload of actual like torque to whatever that foot is that you had on there. So if you got your right foot on it and you sort of lean it back a little bit, then the board suddenly is like yeah. it just flies back. Because basically the the angle of the board is anticipating that there's a person on the board who is leaning in that angle, mm-hmm. which means that if you are at like a 10 degree lean, that's a fucking steep lean, which yeah. means it has to go really fast to keep you upright. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause basically if you're leaning, you're actually just perpetually falling and the board is now trying to catch keeping up. you up. Yeah. So when you're getting on the thing, when you first do it, your, your body doesn't know how to keep it stable. Mm-hmm. Your, so your ankles will kind of like rotate around and the board just starts like whipping around <laughs> like a weird mm-hmm. snake thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you got to fall off once. Pretty horribly. And then you yeah. step on it and then just sort of step off of it the second time when it starts wobbling like crazy or fall off slightly more gracefully. Right. Uh, usually there's a few more falls in there, maybe yeah. like five. And then at some point you put your but foot on But the falls it. become a little bit more controlled and they happen mm-hmm. a little bit later. Yeah. And then you and then you put your foot on it and then it just stands still for the first time yeah. as opposed to trying to like veer off in a direction, mm-hmm. which is odd. And then right. you just so then, of, so then you're able to just completely stand still on it mm-hmm. without – Making it whip around like a bucking bronco. Yeah. So you get your other foot on there. And now usually what happens is there's an intense wobbling phase just for a moment, like a second or two, where you are sort of integrating your brain with the board. And then suddenly you're just standing there. And then you can lean. And then you'll start leaning very slowly. 
and just the, just the going best part, like one inch an hour. Yeah, we were doing this in a driveway, and so you know, Seth was the first one who's doing doing all this board, and he's like so excited, and he's just sort of like he's going maybe, maybe like I don't know, like a foot, uh, like one tenth walking speed. Yeah, basically. like it was hysterical because it was so damn slow, but he was just like giddy. <laughs> <laughs> he's like look. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> and of course my arms are completely stiff because I don't want to fuck it up yep. and I'm just like ah, ah. Uh, and then you just sort of start leaning into it and figuring out but the, the weirdest thing to me is just watching everybody do it because it was the same steps it took almost the same amount of time and it's just kind of creepy to think about because your brain is it, you're sort of experiencing this weird thing for the first time and it takes like two minutes before you can just stand on it and just start like be moving yeah. around and you're not doing it consciously your brain, no. your brain just doing it it's horrifying. Yeah. Like, it's very, I don't know. Yeah, watching several, watching several people do it for the first time and just seeing the exact sequence of steps in the same amount of time in the same order. Um, really, really, the only distinction then is whether or not the person decides to get back on it yeah. or how quickly they want to get back on mm-hmm. it. But once they do that, then everything just happens at the same speed as yeah. it always does. So that's kind of – is there an – Maybe a, that's a metaphor for a life. metaphor? It doesn't mean – you know, we talked about this yesterday. It doesn't matter how many times you fall off the swagtron. Just what matters is you get back on one more time mm-hmm. than that. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we're better every time. Yeah, and I was, I was honestly maybe it's terrified. twenty swagtron teen. Twenty <laughs> swagtron teen, <laughs> keep getting back on, get back on the swagtron. <laughs> twenty tron teen, get but back yeah. On so the then swag. what happened was, I, for me, so I, I rode it around the longest, and I started able to, I was able to kind of pick up some speed and mm-hmm. and start to navigate more. Um, and then I, I took it home and I was just, I was just like, I was like, I'm just going to be on this thing for as long as I can. And just to kind of like bake in the mental model, you know? And so, so I just kind of like roamed around the house with it for like 20 (laughs) minutes, just kind of going down the hallways and turning around. And (laughs) And then at a certain point I was like, I'm going to feed my dog on the swag (laughs) trot. So, so I go to, I, I swag tron over to the closet and I open the closet and then I, crouch down on it whoa and i'm like oh shit i forgot the food bowl so i stand back up and then i gotta close the door swag tron over <laughs> bend down grab the food bowl way off the ground and go back you know fill it up and it, i was able to do it so nice i was and then i took it downstairs where i've got a little bit more space you rode it down the stairs <laughs> i brought it downstairs now i got to build a ramp into your stairs i need a ramp yeah. well i need a fireman's pole well, they can't swag tron down a fireman's pole. <laughs> I know, but I, that's just a separate thought. Okay. Uh, maybe you can't, but that's just, yeah. <laughs> just an advanced thing. It's an advanced move. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then I started trying to go as fast as I could with it. But, of course, I didn't have that much space to really go. But, but uh, yeah, I could, I could feel the change mm-hmm. where, at, like, at the beginning, I would tr- start going fast, and then I would hit, like, a panic point, and then I would start, like, whipping my legs around yep. like a weirdo. Um, and then of course that would sabotage my movements. And then eventually I hit a point where I could just like go super fast for a brief moment and then just like come to a stop, <laughs> uh, just via, Weird. just via like really subtle leaning, you know? And so it really just comes down to no matter what you're doing to just not panic about it and don't think too hard about it and just, just let it just, just do less, just do it, do mm-hmm. less, you know? So that was it's fun. It's very cool. My calves are very sore though. It's uh, it's, a, it's it's a weird motion. I don't mm-hmm. think you're. Yeah. Used well, it's to. also interesting because it's basically just you taking the floor with you everywhere you go. You know, because you don't take your like instead of just stepping up and down on a floor and like mm-hmm. moving around on a floor, 
You're just like, this is my floor now. Yeah. And you just stand on it and you take it with you. I will say, after an hour of swagtroning, walking felt very weird <laughs> and very inefficient. <laughs> very like at a, certain, at a certain point, I was like, okay, now I need to practice. I need to practice being cool on the swag tron. Mm-hmm. So I get out my phone and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just checking. I'm just reading text messages. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like slowly meandering around the house, <laughs> looking through my phone, you know, and I don't have to do anything. I'm just like barely leaning and mm-hmm. I'm traveling around like a ghost. It's pretty fucking awesome. That's neat. <laughs> yeah. I, now the next step is I think getting over uh, like bumps yes. and ledges. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I have a couple of little like ledges in my house that are maybe like a half inch tall and they're very nicely sloped. Mm-hmm. And I basically wiped out every time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, whatever. All right, let's get on to some other questions. Some Again, cues. these questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. Next question comes from retro banana man in L. Where do you get your industry news information from? Preferably be more specific than the internet. Gamesindustry.biz. Yep. That's it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. If you want the news, you go there. If you want whatever else you would call it, go to Gama Sutra. Because mm-hmm. uh, anybody can write anything on Gama Sutra. Well, that's also true of everything, I guess, everywhere. What do you mean? Like anybody can write anything on Gamesindustry.biz too. If they were good enough to get their article published. Right. Yeah. No, but doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> mean you could say, well, yeah. right? But like that doesn't mean you could still trust it in any in any scenario. Mm-hmm. You should still be asking questions about it. Well, I think there's, there's a distinction though between some rando writing it and ju- and anybody and journalism writing. probably. No, but I mean like everybody's a rando. You know what I mean? Deep down, mm-hmm. we're all rando. Deep down, we're all rando to somebody. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. right. Uh, and so, no matter where you're reading your sources, it's just some randos writing it. That's but true. it's not just any randos. Necessarily. Right. Well, you build trust in the institution that the randos built. Yeah. And then at so, some point, they're not randos anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So the games point, industry randos, I trust them. Yeah. yeah. There are fewer of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at Gama Sutra, though, people can just write blog posts. Um, and then if they somehow pass some kind of a test or bar, something, yeah. uh, then they'll get moved over to the front page of Gama Sutra. So you yeah. get a lot, you get a lot a of tests for truth. No, it's just a test for like, does this seem fine or something? Yeah. Um, is it seemingly well composed and whatnot? Mm-hmm. So you'll you'll get a lot of uh, postmortems and stuff written by people who you know put a game through early access or like, oh here's here's our we did everything right and it totally didn't work article mm-hmm. uh, for our game. Of, a lot of those, a lot of those. Inside of which are many things that did not do right. Yep. Yeah, so you, yeah, you'll see, you know, somebody being like, "Yeah, take all those with a grain of salt." Yeah, because actually, like, like pounds, of so much salt like, that it just <laughs> kills like a, you. Yep, just an ocean worth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the, I think the reason there is that is that people get too close to their own projects, and they, I don't think it's, I don't think it's even that. I think it's just that it's very hard to reason about anything. Yeah, and it's and people have not been equipped with how to think about things statistically or from just like a historical standpoint or any of those kinds of things. And so people are trying to evaluate stuff that they're just – they just have too limited information and, and practice evaluating that kind of thing. So publishing like, games is like notoriously complex. It is. Of, like if yeah. the only time you evaluate like the success of a game in a market is when you yourself have launched a game and you're trying to understand like why it went the way it did. Like how the fuck 
you got one a sample of one every yeah, like two it's the, years. It's the only time you thought about it, right? Yeah. Um, or it's the one of the few times you thought about it when you read other, you know, Gama Search articles. Uh, if you're the kind of person who like spends all your time reading about other people's work and trying to figure out how they did things and doing statistical analyses and trying to understand the broader market and all this kind of stuff, then yeah, maybe. Maybe you could have a fairly sound, you know, argument about what happened. But even then. But even then, probably not. Who knows? Yeah, because oftentimes in those we did everything right and nothing worked articles, usually what people talk about is what they did on the promotion side. Yes. They say, I found a list of things that I'm supposed to do for Mm -hmm. promoting my game. I sent out keys to YouTubers. I sent out keys to journalists. I reached out to Twitch streamers. Mm -hmm. I did everything right. But then you look at the game. You look at the game and you're like, no, you, you didn't yeah. though. Because you promoted it properly. But yeah. Because I don't think people want this mm-hmm. thing yeah. you made. But yeah. So those are the two places we go mainly. And then every so often I'll check, check in on uh, Touch Arcade for mobile stuff, PC Gamer and Rock Paper Shotgun, uh, and then Polygon just kind of generally. What about yeah. Kotaku? What do they have? I feel like they have stuff. Kotaku has good pieces. Yeah, they have really good pieces. They have but a lot not, of – It's not so much like newsy news. It's also not so much just games. Yeah. They, yeah. they have a much broader – segment of uh, the the nerd market yes the nerd market yeah which is actually kind of fun too though because then if you just also want to get news about like nerds about yeah about board games <laughs> and, and, and movies do? that you're gonna like you know and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff it's a good source for that um, yeah for me it's basically just gamesindustry.biz uh, which is also because it's actually because of this fact that i very explicitly mentioned earlier which is that you actually can't trust anybody's evaluation mm-hmm. of anything and so the nice thing about gamesindustry.biz is that for the most part, they don't evaluate stuff. They just tell you things that happened. Right. Right? It's more like reporting. It's reporting. And it's just reporting on on, a, on major events that happen in the industry. And it is. It's a, it's a UK web website. And so there's definitely some kind of UK focus on it. Mm-hmm. But so much of games is global anyway that it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And so I find it a really useful way just to know like what's happening with the big players, what's happening with the companies involved, what's happening with the, the major publishers and the mm-hmm. and the, the people who run the platform. And there's yeah. just not that many articles on it, which is no. actually really nice. It's only maybe like 10 a day, yeah. if even that. Yeah, it's not that I think it's that. Yeah, it's most, like four or five. most major sites, is, I think they what they go for is, is ad, ad money. money. Yeah. And so they want to write about as many things as possible, just in the event that any one of them is of interest to anybody. Well, I think yeah. the important note here, again, is that you don't need to read it every day. In fact, you probably should. Not just check in a couple times a week. Yeah, I just put if, it. On, I just put it on Feedly, and I check my Feedly when I'm on breaks. Yeah, you do that too. Um, I sort of reduce mine to just like trying to read it once a week because you can read the whole thing in 30 minutes, like reading the paper. Yeah, I mostly just read the headlines anyway because the headlines are sufficient just to be like, "What happened today?" Yep. You know, they'd be like, "This and happened," today. and you're like, "All right, I yep. guess that could happen." And then when you open the article, they'll be like, let me tell you how this happened. And you're like, well, it's already, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. It happened. So that's fine. Whatever happened, happened. Uh, all right. Next question comes from Degeki. How do you do version control on your code? When you do do code, <laughs> do, do you follow any particular style, agile, et cetera? What so we, we need it. This is a technical question that we need to answer non-technically. I mm-hmm. will say... I'll give a I'll give a Google term you can go after, which is the is, I think it's called Git flow, Git flow workflow, something like that. Yeah, which is a, a strategy for how to track versions of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then otherwise, I'll say that Node, the the programming languages, not the programming language, uh, has a really nice way of doing version management where you can just run a single command called npm version. And oh. so basically what I've done is I've tied this to all of my stuff because it also like, does get commits for you and stuff, so which we won't go into details on. Uh, but it does a lot for you. And so I've actually started using that in the root of all of my projects. 
and I use that to manage my. Who's the question? So I, as a as a lay person who's lay laying person. down, and you're just like, oh, I'm this like, programming, my, my, this programming is hurting my body. I need to lay down. How? What is? Version control. That's what a lay person is, right? Somebody who's so overwhelmed by what yeah. they're learning that they have they're to lay just, down. Just laying down. Yeah. Okay. So what the hell? So I used to are think of talking about. I used to think something. of version control mostly as a backup and recovery mechanism, and like that was mm-hmm. the only way that I thought about it, uh, which has recently changed. But so the idea being what? So if so I'm working on a project, being, yeah. The idea being, if you're working on a project, and let's say like you know two months go by, and you're like working on some little detailed thing that's very very hard. And all of a sudden you're like, fuck, this was the wrong path. I should not have come down this path, right? But you've changed a lot of but things. But you've changed a lot of things all around this thing. And now you're like, well, I want to throw this away, but how do I get back to where I was two months ago? Because you can't just control Z your way out of this hole. Yeah, you're way too you deep You'd be holding hole. down control Z for, for a very Until long you time. died. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so instead, uh, you can use a version control system, which basically, uh, you can think of it as basically taking snapshots of your, of your progress. Kind of like, like saving in a video game. It's like saving and you put, you can have like a little message that you put along with the save, right? So it's just like having a stack of save points that you can go back to. You can quick load you can after quick load. you've died. Right. So, like, so like now you're on this, life. so now you're like far down this path and then you're like, fuck, I died. Cause you just did, you just made it's a bad undone. decision, right? So now you can go backwards in time as far back into wherever you want to and just recover the exact state of your code at that point in time. And then further, if you, if you want to collaborate with somebody, now you can basically sort of branch off of your different parts. Now, mm-hmm. now somebody can, Start going down one path, you go down another path, so and then both, later on, you merge those paths back together. So we both load the same save, yeah. but go do different adventures, right? And then just put and the saves back. Somehow, and now you merge your progress, you bring them back, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and and so a, a good version control system is all about basically tracking all of that stuff and then helping you merge things back together, uh, or throw stuff away, or or if you or if, say like a bunch of changes have been made and you discover at some point that there's a bug somewhere and you don't know where it was introduced. Then usually there'll also be tools where it could be like, it can help you track stuff down by loading in a very clever way, different saves between like the two points where like, mm-hmm. you know, it worked here, you know, it doesn't work here. Where so in the middle did it happen, right? And right. so there's like tooling to help you do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so a good version control system does all of that for you. And that's basically the only way that I use it until very recently when I started to use it also as a, uh, so, so the, basically in that, in that sense, the, the, the version control system represents the exact history of your project. Like the people doing the work, what were they doing, right? What were they uh, doing? But mm-hmm. there's another way to think about it, which is actually as a a way to represent um, sort of deliverables and major changes that have happened that are done, mm-hmm. right? That are considered conceptually complete, where you actually don't care if this history of snapshots even represents what really happened. In which case you might like merge your stuff together and then just pretend like it was that way the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. And so now you have, a, you have this really clean path where instead of having all these branches and like all this different work and all these like little different little snapshots and saves, instead you like compress all that stuff down into one moment. Where so you're you like, kind of trim like, the branches to create a topiary. Exactly. And you're like, yep, this tree was always this shaped totally like a happened. Because <laughs> right? the nice thing about that is now if you want to go say like, now, if you want to go back into a time to when like a feature did or did not exist. So like the knee of the flamingo. For exactly. Example. So now like you, you don't want to like look at like building the whole fucking patella and like attaching the muscles. And no, all okay about that. You just want to be like, I want to go to the point where there was a knee. Yeah. I want to go to the knee point. You made the right knee. There. You're like, I figured out all the details and I'm pretty sure this knee is fine. Yeah. And, or if so. you just, if you just want to throw the knee away or just keep the knee, you don't have to like throw, worry about its fucking parts. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do and flamingos so, have knees? I do don't they? know. <laughs> right. Their legs are so stick like. They're so yeah. long. Freaky. There might not be a knee in there. I don't know. Yeah. We'll never know. Yep. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so you can merge that way. And then you can, and so what I've moved to is, and a lot of what this year was about for me, you know, talking about like improvements and stuff was automating as many things as possible, but also making things as, as much as possible, making them so that I could not make mistakes anymore. So I've tied my version control system with my deployment and also with my uh, documentation so that those are all automatically connected together. So that if I, if I say like, I want to increment the version number, which is a different concept than the whole, like taking snapshots and stuff, but I, I want to represent now this like moment in time. Dude, like here's this knee. Yeah. Here's the knee. The knee exists now. Version right? 0.5 knee. Exactly. <laughs> Codename. The knee patch. The knee patch. Right? The knee <laughs> patch. <laughs> exactly. Patch so that if knee. I want to do that, one of the moment I, that I make that thing happen, that also automatically deploys a build, automatically runs tests, automatically builds the, uh, the documentation and does all that stuff. Your right? computer's like, yep, that's a knee. Yep. And mm-hmm. then there's like, if you want to learn about knees, here's a book here's on a knees that we just generated <laughs> exactly. based yeah. on this knee code. Yep. And I also tested this knee to make sure it's flexible. It, it doesn't bend the wrong way. It's bendy, which of course it does bend the wrong way because it's a flamingo knee. That's true. Well, bend the right way for a flamingo. For a flamingo. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> but yeah, flamingos so are full of shit. Conspiracy. That's yeah. I mean, most of them probably. Yeah. Like, all that fish they're eating. That's you know? true. I learned that. No, never mind. <laughs> I learned that Keep that one to yourself. I learned that something horrible. I don't know what's going on in your brain over there, but I don't want to hear it. Uh, but yeah, so that's basically. So yeah, we throughout the studio we handle version management and control actually very differently from each other even, mm-hmm. and we're all kind of slowly coalescing on on new ways of doing it, which mostly comes to to our tooling. Yes, because um, we now have an automated build pipeline for our game maker project. Thanks to Sure, that was his big project. Yeah, and so so that thing uh, then requires that we all you know handle things a, a more specific way to make that work. Um, but in that too, like. Uh, you know, game maker. When you make a game maker project, it has version numbers inside of it. But those version numbers are just things that you enter in manually, so they're completely disconnected from what your code is and whatever. And so, as part of that pipeline, it now I set it up so that it actually automatically changes the version number inside of the project to whatever the version number is inside of this whole like Git, this whole Git node yeah. system, right? Uh, so that way, it's always forced to be exactly the same, and a, and a human user cannot make a mistake of fucking that thing up. Good. That's always the concern. Yeah. Yep. Anytime you have a person doing something, you can never trust it. Yeah. No matter what it is. No matter what, and, and no matter how good the person is. And then people make this mistake of thinking that because they're an expert in something that they don't need rules or, you know, like they don't need a, a you know, cheat sheet or a checklist mm-hmm. or, or tooling to help them do it right because yeah. they're the expert. Well, so I started doing this because I just started, I was just getting annoyed by how many times I would send a bunch of final art assets over to Seth through the through our various robots and then he pull them down and be like oh like this one's got a box on it or this one's off by a pixel so I can't spin it rotate it perfectly all sort of stuff and so I was just like I'm gonna track this for a few weeks while I was making some of the final items for level head and it's going through and I ended up having the first batch that I did I had like a 22% error rate which means that one out of every five assets and I'd make a lot in a day yeah Seth would get and be like, well, I can't do anything with this now. It definitely was a frustration point in the yeah. process. Because <laughs> it is broken. I would sit down and I'd be like, time to implement some art assets. And then I can't. Because mm-hmm. it's broken in some way. Yeah. And so what I did was just track this and then track the ways in which things were broken. And there was sort of, there's you're, there's going to be your sort of one-off breaks where you just like, it was just something odd that happened. It was a human fuck up. Right. But yeah. then there's the process breaks which is what you're talking about like i'm mm-hmm. i am an expert in inkscape i'm an expert in putting these freaking assets together but the reality is when it comes to exporting uh if i don't follow a checklist which is what i do now 
I basically built a checklist out of watching all these errors from this. Yeah, you built thing. it from your fuck ups. Yeah. Yep. That's the way and I said, okay, so I need to center everything. Uh, all the bounding boxes need to be an odd number of pixels so that they have a central pixel. Blah, 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 blah. Like all the things happen, check all these things. Um, and it reduced my error rate to like 4% for the next batch of stats, which was like one yep. thing. Uh, that it put yeah, out. It, so, doesn't, it doesn't matter how good you are at a thing when you're yeah. when you're working with a complex system. Things just it's hard go to remember. Wrong. Yeah, things, things yeah. just go wrong. And, and it, it was not even that it's hard to remember. It's that memory is the thing where you retrieve some piece of information from your mind because of the context around you, right? It's mm-hmm. not an automatic thing that always happens and is guaranteed to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's not the case that if you if you don't remember something at the moment you needed it, that it's even a faulty memory problem, right? It's that memory is is a context triggered thing, and so it's. Not even about that. Well, I mean, I, I even had the situation where I, I would have made the judgment that like, oh, I don't need to check this thing because I just like I just finished this asset. So I just I just saw the whole thing through. It's good because I was here the whole time. Oh, yeah. Yep. And then most of the time, those are the ones that errors on them because yeah. I didn't go through yeah. like a simple and this, this was a big battle. So in the, the, the whole checklist concept as a, an important process management thing started with World War two airplanes i think with the air force as like an institutional wide checklist system uh, being implemented and it met a lot of resistance but people kept crashing planes all the fucking time mm-hmm. and there was apparently one really big incident that was the catalyst for the whole thing where there's this this new giant fucking plane b-52 wasn't it i think so i think it was, I think it was, it was a Boeing just, plane. it was this huge plane and it had it had this one different feature that uh, had something to do with like the flaps being down or something like that. And the pilots had never experienced that new advanced feature before. And so they didn't really know how to engage with it, but they didn't really see anything in the cockpit for like what to do with it or whatever. And so then they just took off and the plane just crashed immediately, like within, you know, just like went up and then went right back down again. Um, and so so then the Air Force did a big uh, sort of investigation on this, and they came up with this the idea of of having a checklist. And so many people were pissed off about it. It's happened with surgeons too, and yeah. hospitals generally yeah. doing the same thing, being able to drop uh, even incidents of like hospital infections and stuff. You can drop them literally to zero if everybody follows yeah. the checklist because yeah. there are known causes Correct. for these things. And it's if like you, when you know your fuck ups, you make a checklist to cover for to them. Just don't do that. Yeah, it was also like even they have. Uh, in some places, I know they have uh, uh, like materials that you're using for surgeries and stuff actually mm-hmm. have like RFID chips in them. Yeah. And so that they can scan them when you take them out of the package to say like, I'm using this. And then there's like in your waste bin, there's a scanner that you have to scan it when you throw it back yeah. in so that you can then prove that like you took a thing out, did whatever the fuck with it, and then and then took it back it, out of the person. Because right? people leave it – you leave stuff in people a lot yeah. during surgeries. A lot more than – you would think yeah. would happen. Well, it's just because like if you have some like, you know, gauze and stuff in there, once it gets covered in blood and stuff, it just looks like you can't see nuts. it. Yeah, you can't yeah. see it at all. Sponge. It's like soaked up all the blood. Yeah. It's doing its spongy job. It just looks like some gross viscera. But now it's just a weird blood thing, yeah. which <laughs> is that's what you look like inside anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just like a big weird blood hole. As far as our uh, methods, because you asked about agile. What do we yeah. – what? Are we we have a, such a small team that each of us has one siloed role, yeah. and so the idea of implementing some kind of like scrum or agile or whatever we kinda, do stand up on Mondays where everyone's like, "Here's what I'm doing this week," and yeah. then but that's not really as part of a method. It's just like so we all know what's happening. Yeah, I think it's well. Technically here's what I want to know because one thing that I'm pretty confident of is that software projects go beyond budget and beyond scope 
and beyond their timelines by Most like at least 50%, if not double or triple, just guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me that nobody has really figured out how to do it. Well, not perfectly. I think most of these are certainly about team management. management. Yeah, it's yeah. about team management. It's team management. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's about team management, not so much project management. Well, it's because, both. Because it's you both can't really predict – you can't predict what's going to go wrong or, or – well, it, well, it's not about that. It's not about like timelines and, and what's going to go wrong. It's about uh, every week knowing like what are all the things that have to get done to move this project forward, right? right. Uh, given that maybe you've got a dozen people working on it or whatever. In that case, you can't just say like, well, everybody work on whatever you want. Hopefully we make some progress, you know. Right. Um, but that requires somebody to, you know, some subs of the team to sit down and say, here's all the moving pieces. Here's what we need to get done to move this. So you need like phase. a team lead. Yeah. You need they, to, you need some hierarchy there. And so, yeah. so we are, we're small enough because of the fact that basically one person is doing every project in yeah. the studio that it doesn't make sense to apply any of those kinds of methodologies to our own work. At least not rigorously. Not rigorously. Right. We, we, we take aspects of any methodology that we've ever read about mm-hmm. and we, you know, whatever feels like it makes sense. For I what think we're, doing, we're loosely agile. In yeah. terms of how, so kind of, I like would say as far as you very can very bendy and we're nimble, doing a lot of yoga. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think as far as you could describe for a single person project, I think as far as you could use like the word agile, that's probably what we do. Yeah, probably because because each department is the smallest it can possibly be. Yeah, which is one person or yep. zero in a lot of cases. Yep. So, all right, last question of the year. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> comes from Dombrowski, who says, word up, butter bros. Mm, word. I've been working on a game off and on for about two years now. The full gameplay loop is playable, but there's still hardly any content in it. Should I go into early access or wait to release with what I feel is adequate content? Uh, hmm. Is it fun? Yeah, it depends. Because if you need content for it to be fun, then fuck no. Yeah, but yeah. You not should not think of. You should be thinking of early access as a release. Yeah, it is a release because you are charging people to play the game that you have made. You're delivering mm-hmm. a product. Yep. Early access just means things are going to be changing a lot. Yeah. But it doesn't. It doesn't mean I'm going to give you something that you're not going to enjoy. Yeah. So that's basically the question: is, is if because you said the core loop is complete. So so in other words, if the game is fully playable, if if someone can hop in and. I mean, just really sink their teeth into it, then then early access might be a good thing. But it also depends on what you're trying to do. So if, yeah. if, what if you, you just want to, do, want to have it out for some reason, then no. Like Yeah, maybe hold on. Early access is not a thing you should do just because you want to have your game out. Yeah. Uh, you need to have very clear reasons yeah. for doing it. But if you think that like the involvement of the community could be good, either because of the size of your team, which is you know one, um, or because of the aspects of the game that the community involvement would help to both get feedback to integrate it and also help actually build out the rest of the game in a way where they're necessarily giving you better a better idea of where to put your time and energy into whatever that content is that you have uh, sort of left over. Then that's, again, another another. But it also depends plus. on replayability, right? Because if you're going into early access, you need a title that has an enormous amount of replayability because you need people to stick around while you make changes and while they, and have them test stuff out. And have them looking forward to the changes that you're going to make. Um, because if you put something out that basically just a person can play through and now be done, you know, like why would they play it again two months later when you put out a big content mm-hmm. patch, right? Yeah. So it depends what you mean by content. Yeah. And yeah. by core gameplay loop. And by core gameplay yeah, loop. Because I, I would think also in Crashlands, the core gameplay loop was done in, in the first couple months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the core gameplay loop is go out, harvest resources, fight creatures, and then build stuff for the next tier. 
So you could do it again. You can. So you were able to run through that loop, I believe, two and a half times in the first couple months. Mm -hmm. All right. So the loop is the loop exists, um, but it is completely worthless without the content to fill the loops out. And so if you think about other games like maybe um, like Rogue Legacy or Mm -hmm. um, FTL or or like any of these games that, that are built around rapid replay of the same content. Those work super well in early access because people will play through the core loop and the core loop by itself is great. It's fun. Um, and then, but the, the idea of the game is to keep replaying it. And so mm-hmm. when you add new content, people it get to sense. replay the content, yeah. right? So if you think about like, if we had, if we had been doing crash lands in early access, if we added several tiers of, of stuff for you to build, but then also fixed some problems in the earlier tiers, well, people have already passed those, right? So yeah. now they don't really get to experience. Well, it. I think again, the whole point is that if you're if you're willing to let the community direction and also that pressure to have this sort of constant play aspect, uh, sort of maybe redefine or sort of shift your vision a little bit, then then I think to have, you know potentially go for it. But in the case of something like Crashlands, you can see. I mean, Don't Starve was like one of the first early access big successes, and you can see and it's all about replay. It's all about replay, and so I think if you look at something like Crashlands, if we had put it into early access, probably the pressure would have actually been to build more of a sort of a roguelike system yeah. in that game because of because that's how people. Yeah, would otherwise, want people to play. Want to actually play the it. way I think about it is early access is for system games, yeah. not content games. Yeah. So yeah, for, if Fortnite, you're just missing content, then you're that's probably not going to work. And well, yeah. it depends on what kind it depends of on what kind of game yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. like, so Fortnite that's early access. Mm-hmm. Minecraft was in early access for like six years. Yep. Um, Kerbal Space Program just came out early access like a year ago. Mm-hmm. RimWorld early access, right? So these these are all games that are purely built around the systems uh, of the game and how they interact. Um, and then whenever you add a content patch or like a big update to the game in early access, then that has both a forward and backward cascading effect. Where like you get a new rocket part in Kerbal Space Program. And somebody who maybe like they did everything they wanted to do in the game, um, they're going to see that the that a p- new patch came down and they're like, oh, shit. Oh, I'm going to replay the whole fucking thing. But uh-huh. with this new this new kind of rocket or right. whatever. Um, or they can continue where they left off with that new kind of. Exactly. Rocket. Yeah. And they can and they, they can now expand their goals or do new things. And I think in Kerbal Space Program, they also they kept adding new planetary bodies and stuff to go to. So as they added new toys for people to play with then they would also give people new goals to try to use those for. So mm-hmm. even people who had felt like they had done everything would now have even more yep. stuff to do. Yeah. So I think that's, that's probably the most fundamental question to ask yourself, which is, is your game a systems game or more of a content game? Right. Yeah. So is it, is it Firewatch, which is pure content just mm-hmm. about, um, that's not going to work in early access, mm-hmm. you know? And th- I think there's some, there's some games that kind of, I feel like defy this a little bit, um, that still do pretty well. So like we, I played Slime Rancher, right? Which is very much uh, in the that midpoint, like a Crashlands, mm-hmm. which is you go out in the world, you collect a bunch of materials, you come back, and then you like build up your farm and stuff, and then that lets you go out and get bigger, but better. Slime Rancher worked though because they had because I also played it when it came into early access, uh, and they had easily six hours of of content, of content right? exactly, and, and yeah. really polished. Very satisfying, very fun content. Yeah. So that it felt like an entire short game. Yep. Like a really well-made entire short mm-hmm. game. So yes, the so content- I got to the end of it and, I, and it kind of trickled off at the end. And I was like, okay, I can see how they're going to add just a fuck right. ton more stuff here. But I also never came back to play that game. Me neither. Yeah. I, I played through several hours, ran out of stuff. I haven't touched it since. Because yep. I, then I thought, well, I don't really- 
I enjoyed it, but I also don't want to have that experience again where I yeah, play for another late. couple hours yeah. and then all of a sudden I'm out of stuff again. And yep. so, cause, cause then I feel also like I'm probably ruining the game for myself for when they do finally put it into 1.0. It is now in 1.0, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Then I'll, then maybe I'll pick it up again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's hard to build a community around that because of course people pick it up, they engage with it and like, Oh, I guess I'm done now. And well, I think it's, just it's probably the secondary question to ask, which is, is the game itself robust enough that, it could that a community can form around it yeah because i think if you have those two pieces where where it's a more systems heavy game and it's robust enough that people could gather around it like a campfire sort of a thing and you know, share stories about it or or just sort of help each other figure out how to do stuff yeah, and then like, uncover new ways of doing things exactly then i think then yeah i might be ready for early access um because i think those those to me are the two like really critical pieces uh and and the level of polish can vary i mean we've seen plenty of early access games that have done really well rim world for example that are mm-hmm hideous yep. in almost every respect no, the it's, gameplay is very polished it yes is. yeah but they put their focus where it mattered for early mm-hmm. access <laughs> well that's the thing is i think i don't think that that's generally true i think because in general you can't sell a game you can't sell a game because the gameplay is good right Correct. you can only sell a game because it looks good like i mean the, the, i think the reason that that rimworld hasn't been even more successful is because it looks like a bad game when you just look yeah. at the, the but also the, weirdly the because their graphics are so bad their graphics are also able to be very lightweight, yeah. which allows them to do some really crazy shit with the, because they have a lot of system resources left over yep, to do yep, a lot of right. stuff with the simulation. So it's kind of a, the graphics are, are bad, but kind of like as a benefit to the game yeah. in, not in terms of being able to sell it, but in terms <laughs> yeah. of being able to, well, it, it is the, the case that because the game looked so bad, but then was so successful and highly reviewed. Yeah. That was actually, that was the, the that combination was the reason that I bought it. Right? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I'd been hearing about it for a long time, but yeah. every time I looked at it, I kind of threw but it in my somebody, mouth. And then I was like, but somebody, but way before that, before it was successful, people had to make it successful, right? And yeah. So it is not it is not an easy thing to do to make that happen. To have a game that doesn't look good mm-hmm. and get people in the door to then start to yeah, prove to other people part, via social proof because you gotta right. you gotta understand where you gotta understand the context of the market now. Yeah, which is that there are so fucking many games now, and and even when Rimworld came out, was that three years ago? Longer, a while ago, yeah. Um, it was last year, two years ago. You know, it, know. it was know a very is. different time. Yeah, and it, it's always like every year is a very different time, mm-hmm. and it, it's reaching that point where, uh, you know, players' distrust in early access goes up over time um, as they have potentially bad experiences or get burned mm-hmm. by developers or whatever. Um, so you have that to contend with, and then there's just the general competition which is like why so why would somebody up. yeah why would somebody gamble on your half finished game when they've got 10,000 games on their wish list uh that are done mm-hmm. and look great yeah. and are on sale and everything else right so maybe there's the third question which is what's the unique- are you able to articulate the hook of your game well enough that people would buy it over something mm-hmm. yeah what's the unique which is still thing. a question for even a launch because I think, I think the first question you got to ask yourself well, the thing is, is, like, this, is why are you going into early access yeah the early access things are they're they're the same questions you ask actually before going to launch too yeah well it's not long. quite the same because for early access like the question is what is it you're trying to accomplish because why should you release it before it's technical yeah why should you release it before <laughs> it's done and i think the only really valid answer is is because you think that doing that is going to improve, improve your the quality launch of the game and improve the quality of the game right um but not even just improve the quality of the game because if you improve the quality of the game, but you can't make a better launch because of improvements quality, something. then who cares, right? right. So I think the, the only reason to go to early access is because you truly believe for whatever reason that doing that is going to increase 
the the size of your launch. And the only way that that can make sense is if you're going to be building a community. Mm-hmm. And so that means you you would only launch an early access if you think your early access could be successful and that it could build you an audience over some period of time. And, and of course, if it does, that means that now you have to manage the audience as well, right? Yep. So there's there's the community. It's not just another launch you get to have. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's not just like you get one launch, then you get another launch. Great, you do, you know, no. yeah, two launches. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. It's not like that at all. Um, so I think the first question to ask yourself is, why are you doing this? And then once you know that answer, do you think this is sufficient? Mm-hmm. You know, do you think it can work? Maybe that's another one. Twenty Y teen. Why are you doing this? Twenty Y teen. Okay, well, I think that's a good place to cap it off for the year yep uh so that's all the time we got we'd like to thank our producer fat bard for making us sound good thanks to our community moderators who keep our discord running if you'd like to get more involved in the butterscotch community we have a discord server at discord.gg slash bscotch it's very hopping these days so mm-hmm. get get your keister on in there say hello that's right i said keister yeah <laughs> i think that's like a it's like a country i don't even know where that comes from yeah right? i don't know I haven't heard it very in very many contexts. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, if you'd like to cover your body with butterscotch merch, uh, you know, to kick off the new year, just looking fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. We've got some T-shirts and stuff over at shop.bscotch.net. Also, if you'd like to send us something, we have a mailbox, which you can find the address for over at mailbox.bscotch.net. Uh, if you'd like to buy us a cup of coffee and keep our podcast juices flowing, you can do so over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next year. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.